Hello and welcome to another unexciting episode of the Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I am Joe, I'm still your host. Today, Koo Cahill is out, so we are joined as we... Well, we were originally doing it weekly, and then I I kind of pieced out for a little bit, so we fell off. But we're back with Ryan Love coming on at the end of the week to talk to us. You can find him on Twitter at RealistRyanLove. No spaces or anything there. Um, he writes for Hashtag Basketball, mostly about the Pistons. Uh, you can find him there and make sure to go follow him on Twitter. Um, obviously, so when this comes out on Monday, we will be a full day removed from the Pistons breaking their losing streak against the Boston Celtics. They've, of course, been on a six-game losing streak, defeated the Boston Celtics the other night. Uh, good win. Lots of guys were impressive. Um, so we're going to start off with the biggest news out of that game, which is the starting lineup change. Uh, the Pistons, of course, started Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Reggie Bullock, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond. It's a starting lineup that I know me and Koo and a lot of other people have really kind of wanted to see for varying degrees. Some people since all the way back before the season. Some people have grown to want it as the season's gone on. Um, So, Ryan, I'm going to let you start us off. Just sort of what are your thoughts on the new starting lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think this is, like you said, everybody's been kind of waiting for this. And, you know, that having two guys who can shoot from, you know, anywhere on the floor – on the on the court at the same time you know it really helps them space the floor and you could see it all night last night there were plenty of open shots you know Blake would Blake was dishing it out at the right time to open shooters and especially early on I feel like especially like the second quarter it seemed by the second quarter everybody was hot like it, it, you couldn't even tell who was having a particularly great game because everyone seemed to be playing really well so I feel like having that those guys started out and then kind of once you start interchanging some of the bench guys it really helps everyone get in a rhythm if your shooters are on, which I mean with any team in the league, if you're, you know, if the shots are falling, you're going to be pretty successful. And they were really good with that lineup. Yeah. One of the big things that stood out to me is so, like you said, there's the shooting, which is the obvious thing, but I think a lot of people, and I know that I'm, we're all huge fans of Luke Kennard, obviously. Um, most of Pistons Twitter is a pretty big fan of that guy and with good reason. But one of the things that people miss with him, and also with Reggie Bullock, is that both of those guys are really good, smart passers as well. And that was something that really stood out, because when you when you think about it, all right, when you have that starting lineup, you have guys at every single position that are plus passers for their position. I mean, I will defend Reggie Jackson's passing ability till the day I die, not everyone agrees with me on that, but I'll defend his passing ability. He's a good, smart passer. Uh, Bullock and Kennard both obviously can pass. Blake Griffin is one of the p- best passing big men to ever live. And Andre Drummond, obviously, I mean, he doesn't always see the right pass. Always, sometimes he gets a little bit of tunnel vision and tries to score when he should pass. But he's another guy who he's able to be a very smart passer. And um, especially when you have that many good passers on the floor, it sort of becomes infectious, if that makes sense. And so the Pistons last night, they had 25 assists which equaled out to a 64% assist percentage. Assist percentage is just a better way to measure how good you are at assisting on your baskets because it accounts for pace and such. Um, And that's way higher than their mark for the season. Um, I got to bring it up a sec. I forgot to have it up before. On the season, the Pistons' assist percentage is only 54%. So they assisted on 10% more of their baskets than they have the rest of the season. 
And that's one of the biggest things that really stood out. It's just the way the ball moved from uh, from end to end, from side to side. It was just it was really impressive. Um, you know, it and that's one of the reasons why that's the lineup that I've kind of wanted to see all season. I wanted to see that start before the season, um, just because of the fact that the combination of shooting and passing, and that's an important thing that a lot of people miss. I think is that is that passing element because. Um, it makes it it makes it easier on everybody when you have guys who can shoot and pass. It's sort of like it's almost like an exponential addition to your offense when you have guys who can shoot and pass. And the other thing is that at this point, I'm pretty confident saying that Reggie Bullock and Luke Kennard are just your those are the Pistons' best two wing players. So just you know everything else aside, so like with Stanley Johnson, Glenn Robinson the third. There's kind of a, well, we're pretty sure Stanley Johnson's better, but Glenn Robinson might be a better fit, and there's all this other stuff. But, like, just simply put, I think Bullock and uh, Kennard, those are your best two wings at this point. So that's one of the main reasons why I'm, at this point in particular, I'm thrilled that they finally went to it. I'm a little, I'm Bullock and Kennard both have an injury issue, so maybe they would have gone to it sooner in the season had that not happened. But I'm very, very pleased to see them go to the lineup, and it looked really good. Um, one of the only real complaints that you could make about it is that in the game, Luke Kennard didn't end up actually playing that much. He only played 22 minutes, um, and for reference, Langston Galloway played almost 29. Um, do you think that Luke is going to be a guy going forward that Dwayne Casey's going to use kind of as a as an honorary starter almost where, you know, he starts, but he's still going to play bench minutes. Or do you think that that was just a one-off thing? You know, it kind of feels that way right now that he might be, you know, just the guy who you put out there to start and, you know, see if he really gets in a rhythm to kind of decide how you're going to use him for the rest of the game. Cause I mean, he's always, whether he's knocking down a bunch of shots or just out there making plays like he, you know, he's a, he's a great, he's great under the basket. He's great. You know, he's a great passer. And so, like, I feel like it might be something where you just kind of see how he's going early on. But for the most part, I feel like unless he really starts seeing, and I, you know, like I, like you said, like we're all really big Canard guys. And I think once you see, once we start seeing him be a little more consistent scoring and everything, I feel like you might see him like get a little more minutes, like maybe carry over a little more, don't get taken out as quick. Because he might, you know, like you said, the injuries early on, he might be still kind of working back into full shape, you know, as sharp as he's been, you know, that coming back into full NBA action still takes, you know, a little bit having missed so much of the season. So I feel I feel like for now it'll probably be that way. And if he stays around, you know, what he's do, been doing the last couple of games, I feel like he'll, you know, those minutes, he'll probably get another five or five to ten minutes depending on the game. Well, my main worry is still, it's the same one that I've had, you know, even before the season started, back in preseason, is that I wouldn't be shocked if Langston Galloway stays above him in the rotation in terms of minutes, just because, once again, we know that Dwayne Casey wants guys on the floor who can play defense. Um, He's the guy who famously coined the phrase, um, when someone asked him, what position is a guy able to play? And he says, you're able to play the positions that you can defend. And he probably thinks Langston Galloway is a significantly better defender than Luke Kennard, although I actually think pretty highly of Kennard's defense, so I think that the gap there is not that big. But that's still sort of a worry for me. Um, Like you said, it may well be, and this similar thing with Stanley Johnson, too, the last couple of games, he hasn't played a lot. 
um, is that both those guys are coming off of injuries, uh, may not be 100%. They don't want to tax them too much. And then the other thing about last night's game, of course, is that Langs Galloway was playing really well, especially early in the game. He was hitting real, a lot of shots, playing really strong. So, and, you know, and they won. They beat a good team. So it's hard to complain too much about that. But I really, I, I think Luke Kennard is better than Langston Galloway. So I hope long term that he is, he is not just, you know, well, he starts, but he's still playing 20 minutes a game. I hope that he's a starter who's playing, you know, 30 some minutes a game with the rest of the starters. And that's just because he's, I think, I really do think he is their second best wing at this point. Um, the only yeah, reason. I, I think so. I think so too. Um, and he's like, I feel like it's interchangeable with um, with Stanley, not so far as being a starter, but for those minutes when it comes to defense, depending on the lineups. You know, I feel like those three guys, when it comes to Langston, Kennard, and Galloway, you know, I think he'll Casey a lot of times will probably just end up riding that hot hand. You know, who's who's hot on offense? Who are we up against on defense? Because those guys all have, you know, they're. No, I wouldn't say streaky, but they're very interchangeable as far as who's going to have. Like, it seems like one guy has a really good night per night. None of them are all kind of hot at the same time. So, Yeah, there's definitely an extent to which that's true. And the other thing within this is that there will certainly be nights where um, you'll need, in particular, you'll need Stanley Johnson's defense on the floor for extended periods, and if that's the case, so, and that's one of the reasons why last night's game and the sort of trend of Galloway getting those minutes is a little concerning to me, because um, I don't think Galloway's that big of an improvement on defense, so if last night they had been like, okay, we need Stanley's defense on the floor, so we're going to play him bigger, big minutes, and that's going to be at the expense of Luke Kennard, that's fine, I get that, in some matchups in particular, that's that's not, that's just how it's going to be, and that's probably the right call. Um, but speaking of defense, so obviously me and Koo have talked an awful lot about Bruce Brown, but you have not been on the pod to talk about Bruce Brown. Um, just sort of tell us a little bit about your general thoughts and ideas on him and where you think that he should be in the rotation. I mean, obviously coming into season, into the season, I don't think anybody expected what we've gotten out of Bruce Brown so far. And going forward, I mean... I feel like right now, at least the last, like, especially last night, I feel like he was in probably the best position for him to not kind of be relied on so much for offense. Cause he's not gonna, you know, that's not really his game right now, at least, you know, he can knock down some shots, but other, you know, one, three will go in and you're like, wow, that, you know, that, that was great. And the next one misses everything. So it's kind of, it's kind of tough on offense, but for defense, I feel like he could easily be like, I, I don't want to, put him at the standard of like a Andre Roberson, but that kind of guy where you just put him in to really lock, put the clamps on like somebody who's just going to be a problem all game, you know? And, and I guess I didn't, I, I do, I like to rewatch the game to see just how he, um, just how he did on, uh, on defense. Cause I was so concerned with the other guys, but, but I feel like up to that point, cause I had paid attention a lot before and he was very, like, I feel like if they end up wanting to move him, he'll be a very valuable piece. But outside of that, I mean, I feel like we got to wait and see what happens once everybody gets, you know, Ish is back. And I guess you could say Zaza's back, but I you know, whatever on him. But um, I'd like to see what he does going forward because right now the, with him in the lineup, it's it's been, I think, a whole lot better than anybody could expect. Yeah, I mean, that is the first thing anytime you talk about Bruce Brown is that 
Um, you know, it's it's pretty shocking that he's getting minutes, and it's pretty shocking that he's been so that he's been like even remotely effective in those minutes. Um, I'm you know once again, me and Koo have talked about this a bunch, but like I did not think he was he had any shot at getting minutes. Now, for what it's worth, I didn't realize how good an athlete he is. Um, oh, I yeah. figured like you could tell in summer league like this guy is a defender. Um, he really wants to be a good defender, which that's as important as anything in the NBA on defense is really desire. He's a bulldog. Uh, I remember, you know, I wrote my recap of their first summer league game, and the first thing I said was that stood out to me more than anything else was when Bruce Brown plays defense, he sits on the ground, you know, like he oh, yeah. is in a textbook defensive stance. He gets, you know, so I if I had known just how good of an athlete he is, I wouldn't have been shocked for him to get some minutes just because, once again, we know that Dwayne Casey loves guys who can defend, but I would not have seen anywhere near this role. I would have figured, like, yeah, he might get in a few times this year in meaningful games, but that's it. And he has a decent chance to... Now, once again, we'll see how things look um, when the Pistons have all of their guys all the way healthy, Uh, but, you know, he's got a good chance to have an extended... Um, he, to be in the rotation the rest of this season. And that's not something that I would have thought there was much chance. Um, one thing that is important, and you touched on this, is that in this past game against Boston, so he only played, what, like 16 minutes, I think? Yeah, um, yeah 16. Is that I think that, that that fits him much better as a player because, you know, like you said right now, he's, he's very, you know, <laughs> on an optimistic sense, he's, talented but raw on offense and on a pessimistic sense he's useless on offense Um, but either way he's not gonna do a whole lot on offense Um, and his value comes on defense but not just on defense it's a it's a specific kind of defense we're just um, his just combination of aggression and athleticism really can almost overwhelm people at times because he still makes a lot of the sort of rookie mistakes that rookies make on defense. He fails to navigate screens. He loses his guy off the ball, that sort of thing, which is fine. That's what rookies do. But so I think that playing him in short bursts and basically just telling him, you know, go out there. It doesn't matter that you get foul people a ton. Just go out there, play balls to the wall for, you know, in an eight-minute stretch and do that, and then you can come out, and you get to sit down for a while, and then you'll go do it again later, and that's it. And I think that that's a better way to use a guy like him um, for now. And to sort of touch on, tack onto that, I'm curious, what do you think of his potential as a point guard in the future? Because that's something that the Pistons have talked about at least a little bit. A lot of people thought, obviously, he's he's not there right now, but what do you think of his potential in the future as a point guard, or even not necessarily a point guard, but just more of a ball handler? I, th- I think especially the way, um, especially the way uh, he can, like you touched on his athleticism. If he can just be explosive, if he can be able to finish the basket, you know, just be super explosive, finish at the basket, and you know, if he can get, you know, have a better handle on the ball. He's got an R eight handle, but if he can get a real good handle on the ball, and uh, I feel like he could be a really good, you know, in the post Reggie Jackson era that we're all kind of expecting in the next, uh, like after next year. I think he could be a really good point guard, especially for what the Pistons do, where half you know more than half the time Blake Griffin's bringing the ball up the floor anyway. So really, you're just looking for someone who can who can dish it out, and you know if his scoring improves, obviously if he can, like I said, if he can 
be a threat coming to the basket, that'll be great if he can develop some kind of outside shot because he takes, you know, a decent amount of outside shots for what, you know, for his amount of minutes. But um, but it's not always that effective. But I think he could be a really good point guard for what they're doing where Blake's the distributor for the most part. Blake's going to handle the ball. But also you're going to have a defender for all the – you know, all the great guards in this league, you're going to have a defender on the floor at all times with a Bruce Brown. If that was going to end up being, you know, down the road, your starting point guard. Yeah. I mean, with his shooting, I mean, he's a real bad shooter. Like, I think I brought this up on the podcast before, but so when he played, he played two games in Grand Rapids earlier this year. And I was at those games, I was covering them. So I was there really early. So I saw them go through full warmups and, you know how when you watch um, pro guys go through warm-ups, there's a lot of guys that it's like, you know, you think, well, they're not that good as shooters, but you see them going through warm-ups, and it's like, what the heck? These guys can't miss because they're professional players. You know, the classic empty gym videos, and it's like, ah, uh-huh. lots of guys can look impressive in an empty gym. Let me tell you something. Bruce Brown is not an impressive shooter even in an empty <laughs> gym. Like, I mean, from the left corner, he does better, and he has in actual games this year. So I think there may actually be a thing there, which that's kind of got to be your hope, is that um, there's at least some sort of a building block there that you can um, do something with, so to speak. But that I, <laughs> I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into him becoming even a, like just kind of mediocre shooter right now. Um, he maybe could become that, but just I would not put a lot of stock into that. But that said, um, it was two games ago against the Hornets. There was one play in particular that really stood out to me where he ran a pick-and-roll with Andre Drummond, and he kind of hesitated and held up sort of in the middle, and he ended up hitting a floater. And there were a couple other possessions that he did the same sort of thing and showed really good um, patience and sort of feel for the game that he has not always shown so far in his career, um, whether it be here or even in Grand Rapids, where very often his offensive game is just, I'm just going to charge at the hoop and hope it goes in, basically, right? Um, But there are a few plays in that game in particular where he showed some more tact, he showed some more patience and such, and if that's something that he was able to do with more regularity, I'd start to become more comfortable with him as, you know, running real minutes as a point guard, or even if not necessarily the outright point guard, but um, just more minutes as a ball handler. So I'm a little bit skeptical of his ability to be a, to really be a point guard in the future, just because I think he's really not a good shooter. And yeah, yeah. And his, his handle isn't all that great. Like, yeah. So, you know, I mean, obviously that can develop, but, you know, as far as being the primary ball handler, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that would really be in his or anywhere near his ceiling, really. Yes, but that said, I certainly once again those those few possessions against the Hornets really stood out because once again, most of the time he's just been I'm good charge at the hoop and hope it goes in. It's like okay, you're not really playing point guard there. You know what I mean? But there are a few possessions where it was like okay, he's he's got something here. So, once again, I think maybe hoping that he becomes an outright point guard, that may be a little optimistic. There's a chance, obviously, just like with anybody, uh, but maybe optimistic. That said, I do like his potential as, like, a secondary or tertiary ball handler, for sure. Um, So, and here's the important thing, okay, is he was drafted with the 42nd pick, right? So, I mean, 
even if he gets almost no better than he is now, which is a low minutes, end of rotation guy who gives you really good defense. I mean, <laughs> if you have a have a guy who's a second round pick and he's able to play at all, that's a win, right? Oh, yeah, like there's a whole lot worse cases than him. Yeah, I mean, the major, the vast majority of second round picks, especially once you're into like the mid second round. Um, they they wash out of the league and clearly can't play. And it's obvious already Bruce Brown is better than that. So, you know, even as even as we talk about, well, you know, maybe probably not a point guard, like a real point guard, but he's already better than I would have thought he would have been, you know. So it's already a win for the Pistons. Um, speaking, yeah, and I, and oh, I, I think him, like, if he, he were to become, like, a point guard, it's really good because I was – I like to, you know – if you look at the way this Pistons team is built, outside of Andre Drummond, it's really the kind of team that you build around, like how LeBron's teams are always, it's LeBron's the distributor. He's always bringing it up. It's centered around him. And Blake's are LeBron, where you just kind of want to surround him with guys who are going to space the floor and, you know, who can defend. Like, you know, he's kind of there. He'll be, I feel like he's a really good player for that kind of system. Yeah, he certainly could be. Obviously, the shooting is going to be a question there, but right. I think yeah. people people can underestimate the impact that having really good defenders in that kind of a system can make, um, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I think we both agree pretty much there. We like his potential. He's obviously got some work to do. Um, but speaking of point guards, so uh, I'm not going to say too much on this because me and Ku have talked ad nauseum about Reggie Jackson, but... You have not gotten to come on and talk ad nauseum about Reggie Jackson. So, um, obviously, last night it was a little bit strange. He only played, what, 24? Yeah, like 24 minutes last night. Um, just sort of, what do you think of the general situation with Reggie Jackson? His play, his role, how many minutes he's playing, and whatnot. So, just kind of give us your take on all that. I mean, it's a curious case with him because. Like he's been, he's had some moments where he's been super effective this season, and he, as a generally inefficient guy, you know he's had moments where it's like, wow, you know Reggie Jackson's had a very efficient game. Quiet, he's had mostly quiet games all year, but some games he's pretty efficient. Last night, I mean, really, those last few minutes that he played didn't happen until uh, Calderon fouled out. So it's kind of it's kind of. You know, it kind of mucked up his because he came. I think he came in. He only had eight points. When he came in at that point, and then he, had, you know, he just had a, a few free throws there at the end. And you know, so it's it's tough to say where he is going forward. Sort of feels like right now they're just gonna kind of ride it out and write out write his contract out and just kind of see where they can go after that. But his as far as his play, I mean, I feel like. He's not a spot-up guy, so that's kind of where they've been playing him, and he's it's just not really his game. He's really more of a I'm gonna facilitate everything. I'm gonna I'm gonna have the ball in my hands. It's gonna be me. But with Blake there, you can't do that and hope to win basketball games. So, I mean, he's the I'm not saying put anyone else in that starting gig right now because there's not anybody who's a better starting point guard on this team than him by far. But it's it's tough finding a good spot for him, especially with um, with Blake there and Blake being the guy who's going to take it up. But I feel like even though Reggie wasn't that effective tonight, I feel like the um, 
adding Bullock and Kennard into that starting lineup with them really frees everything up to where they can, uh, you know, he has a lot, if he has a moment where he can really get hot, free a lot of things up for him. Yeah, and I mean, sort of connected with the adding Bullock and Kennard is that you can get away with Reggie Jackson being your fourth best shooter on the floor. The problem is that for a lot of the season, Reggie Jackson spent time as the second or the best shooter on the floor. You know, that's one of the bigger issues here and one of the reasons why he's taken so many threes. Um, But if he's your fourth best shooter on the floor, right, and among your perimeter guys, your worst shooter and the guy who's going to be taking the least amount of threes, um, that that makes it more palpable to have him out there. Um, But once again, I've talked about Reggie Jackson plenty. I don't need to... (laughs) <laughs> I don't need I don't need to rant anymore about that. Certainly not today. Um, with the point guard spot though, so Ishmith obviously is hurt. Jose Calderon's been playing. Uh, he played a bunch of minutes last night against the Celtics. Um, sort of give us your thoughts on Jose and how he's been playing and what you expect of him going forward. I mean, <laughs> he's stunk all year, right? So he's been he's not been any good, but he's been the third point guard for most of the year. You don't really you just expect him to be a veteran who come can come on when he needs to and kind of handle the ball and do the things that he does. I mean, yesterday though, but he was whipping that ball across the court to open shooters, which was you know a, a great thing to see for this Pistons team, especially with how the ball was moving in general last night. I feel like all the you know the ball uh, there were frequent plays where the ball would hit everybody's hands and then, you know, it'd lead to a score, which, you know, imagine that you spread the ball around and you score. So, I mean, he had, you know, he only had five points, eight assists, which is, like I said, he was dealing last night for, you know, for who you're bringing off as your point guard off the bench for an old guy like him. I mean, he was, he was great for what you're asking for, but I mean, when Ish comes back, I you know I still don't trust Calderon over Ish at any point. So it's, I don't think there's any kind of controversy there. But but he had a, he had a great night. I mean, for what you're asking him to do, and he played good good defense for you know trotting his moonroof out there all night. So so yeah, I mean, I I feel like he had a really good game for what you're asking for. But going forward, I mean, he's just the he's just the third guy, and uh, I don't think there's really a whole lot else there. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's he doesn't have to be anything else. It's not like they're expecting him to grow into a role going forward or anything like that. He's here for this year because he's a veteran and such. Um, but here, just a second. So he's been kind of in the rotation for like six games now. Over the last six games, he's played almost 20 minutes a night. And here is here's his stat line. So 4.5 points, 4.8 assists per game, shooting 41% from the field. And those 4.8 assists are against just 1.2 turnovers, also 1.2 steals per game. Um, he's shooting really, really poorly from three, even since he started to play more. He's only shooting 11% from three. But, I mean, look, first off is that Jose Calderon has enough of a history as a good shooter that I'm pretty convinced that if he does keep playing, um, it's like, I mean, obviously he probably will, at least until Ish comes back. Like, if Ish Smith has a setback and stays out longer. Like I'm sh- pretty confident that a Jose Calderon shooting will come up. Um, but just overall, he's been fine. I think, you know, he's filled in good and it's something that we've talked about, but Pistons fans know what it looks like when you bring in the veteran point guard. And it's very clearly, this guy is a 
skeleton. He's he just doesn't have it anymore, right? Steve um, Blake. Yeah, Steve Blake, Jameer <laughs> Nelson last year. Uh you know, we know what that looks like. And the best news is Jose Calderon clearly is not that. Where even if he's not gonna be super effective or anything like that, he's at least he's able to go out there and not be a total, you know, just comedy of errors, which is a that's a big thing, quite frankly, when he's he's what? I mean really he's probably like the thirteenth guy on the Pistons depth chart overall, right? Um he's probably ahead of like Kyrie Thomas and I mean, Henry Ellenson, yeah, almost no one else. So if that's your 13th guy and he's able to come in and be, like, mostly competent, I mean, that's that's all right. I can go with that. And the other nice thing about him being the backup point guard is that he can actually shoot, unlike a Smith. People guard him, at least, even though he's shooting 11%. Um, people guard him from three, so it helps with some other things. So I just... Yeah, it's it's been nice to see him play um, at least somewhat competent. Um, so yeah, his his vision is just so. I mean, you know, all those years in the league, his vision is so like good for a guy. The for a guy like you said, for being like your thirteenth guy off the off the bench. For you know, he might not score all that much, but he he makes enough of a difference in the game for you to for him to be like somebody who you can rely on if you really need him, like they do right now. Yeah. Um, so to sort of um, tack onto that with guys in the lower end of the rotation, although Galloway hasn't been. So Langs Galloway and John Luer coming into this season and for a lot of last season, both of these guys were sort of the unwanted contracts, so to speak. Um, and everyone all summer was trying to trade them both and such. Now Luer is not as large of an extent here just because he hasn't played as much, but um, Galloway's been playing major minutes this season. He's played pretty well. And Lure has started to play recently, and he's also played pretty well. Um, so just sort of what do you think about those guys and their play and just everything about them, anything you want to say about them? Um, I, well, I feel like we've been waiting for them to kind of, since John Lure's been back in the rotation, I feel like we've been waiting for Casey to really put him in a position where he can do what, he does best and I feel like last night was a perfect example of him being able to contribute in a way that he's most that benefits him most where you know he you know Zaza being out really I feel like gives him an opportunity to show them he's not gonna be the guy who is like the three like the the stretch five or the stretch four kind of guy where you can really put him in there to back up Drummond how he should be, <laughs> and he can he can contribute down low and actually be an effective player. And uh, and yeah, and then as far as Galloway goes, um, he was on fire last night. Especially, I feel like the second quarter for him was really good. Like he was very efficient, and if he, he was playing really good defense. So I feel yeah, those contracts are bad, and I think the especially with Luer, I think it's just finding a way to make him as effective as he can and like kind of fit the fit his minutes to his strengths. Yeah, I mean, I've been a proponent of using Luer as a center. Even when they signed him, um, I was like, I think John Luer's probably better as a center than he is a power forward. But um, one of the main things is, first off, I think Zaza Pachulia is not good. So hopefully John Luer is able to, if he, you know, maybe, maybe 
Zaza missing the last game and John Lohr playing over him will be enough to sort of push Casey into, well, we're just playing John Lohr now, but I sure hope that he wins the backup center minutes. Um, and, you know, here's the thing with both of those guys that a lot of people miss is, first off, um, John Lohr was hurt last year, right? Like, that's the reason he didn't play all season. And it seem, it seems almost like people forget that, which is that, you know, the season before that, no, he had his issues. Uh, the three-point shot totally abandoned him. Um, Sham will gladly tell you how long it's been since he's hit a three. <laughs> right. But the year before that, even with the three-point struggles that he had, John Lohr was not a bad player. He played like 30 minutes a game. And he was still a pretty efficient scorer. Um, he was overmatched as a starter, I think, but, like, not a bad player. And Galloway last year was basically a, a victim of circumstances where suddenly, you know, Reggie Bullock became awesome and Luke Kennard was better than they thought he'd be out of the gate. And it was like, well, <laughs> we don't have space for you in the rotation. And that's right, how so it was. Yeah, suddenly Jameer Nelson was in there. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's one of those things where it's kind of like, both these guys can play, just neither of them really played last year. And so many people were ready to just totally throw them under the bus. And it's like, you know, overpaid, in particular John Luer, yes, overpaid. Um, Galloway in his role right now, honestly, I'm not even sure that he's that overpaid anymore. I mean, if he's in $7 million for a guy who's playing 28 minutes and being mostly effective in those 28 minutes, that's, that's not that bad. And, uh, you know, that's just... It's important for them to get value out of those two guys, and I'm glad that they're playing them more. I hope Galloway does not continue to play more than Luke Kennard, as stated before, but both guys can play, and it's been really nice to see them both have a, you know, once again, lure less so just because he hasn't played that much yet, but I, it's been nice to see them both having some, what, of a bounce-back year, and I hope that they both can continue it because I think that's the kind of quality players that both go, both those guys are, and... They'll do a lot of things for the Pistons. First off, it's just the fact that both guys do things that they can use. But also, both guys are expirings after this season with their contracts. And if they both prove that, you know, even if they're overpaid, in the right role, both guys can still be effective. That will make them much, much easier to trade in the offseason if the Pistons want to do that to clear up cap space. Um, Because, you know, if you manage to do that, it's like, Teams trying to win games would maybe, you know, if they need some shooting on at the at at a guard spot, you know, Langston Galloway, they may say, well, he's a little overpaid, but it's one season and he can help us for now. And he's cheap, so let's do it, right? So I think that that could be a really big thing for them. And I really hope that we have seen the last of Zaza Pachulia for the season. Okay. Yeah, I hope John Lord takes those minutes. You mentioned their, their contracts and stuff and – People forget that Luer got that super, you know, that super high contract. Yeah, he's overpaid, but he also got it when the NBA cap like shot up, and everybody's like, "Oh, this is what it's going to be like for now." And then it didn't keep going that way. So, so I mean, if if it, the cap would have kept climbing like it was, then it it would look be looked like a like a lot lesser of a bad deal now. Um, but but yeah, I just want to add that two cents in there. Well, I need to tack onto that. I mean. Remember some of the other contracts that were given out. Like Bismack Biombo was paid like is making like eighteen million dollars a year. 
for another oh, yeah, year like, past like, what John Tyler Lord Johnson, Tyler Johnson down in Miami. He's still, you know, making yeah. a ton of money. And they, they want to move him so bad. Nobody will take that contract. Yeah. Alan Crabb is making like $18 million a year. Yamahimi's <laughs> making like 18 million. Um, there are a lot of bad, bad contract. I mean, I don't even know where Timothy Mozgov is now. And he's making like, oh, yeah, almost, he's making like 16. Um, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, the lure contract is not good. Uh, but, especially when you consider some of the other contracts given out that offseason, it could be a whole lot worse. And once again, unlike some of those guys, John Lure can actually play a little bit. Like, right. Timothy Moskov doesn't play anymore. I mean, oh, he's he's one of uh, he's one of five or six centers down in Orlando. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, because I knew that him and Biombo got traded for each other or whatever, but then I think both... I, I didn't know if either of them had been traded again or some crap like that. But, you know, so it's like there's some of these guys. I mean, Luol Deng's deal. I mean, think about that. Yeah. That guy got paid like $18 million a year, too. And <laughs> they cut him. <laughs> so it's just yeah. it's just one of those things that, uh, um, you know, it's not good. It sucks to have so much of your cap tied up in a guy whose best role is you know, uh, like 20 minutes per game off the bench guy, right? But it, it could be a lot worse. They could be oh, yeah. paying like $18 million for a guy who literally cannot play, um, and that would mm-hmm. be even worse. It would be like John Lure last year, except if John Lure made like another $7 million. That's what it would be like. <laughs> so, All right. Um, last thing we're going to talk about, so when this comes out, it'll be tonight. Um, the Pistons are going to play the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the upcoming game? I mean, I, I think it'll be uh, interesting to see. I mean, I I haven't seen anything for sure, but I assume it'll still be Kennard and Bullock in the lineup, and I feel like that's that's probably going to be the way it goes going forward, assuming they keep doing the same things that we're doing last night. And I feel like the Bucks are... I mean, Giannis has been hot. I don't know about the the other guys so much. I mean, they you know they've been good. I think Brogdon's has had a, has had a really good year for what he's doing for them. Um, but but yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they can because I think is this the last? This might be the last of this brutal stretch of games that they've had. Um, yeah, so they yeah because the next couple games are against the Wolves and Hornets. So I feel like it'll be a nice you know. If they can get this one, it'll be a nice going out point for this um, this stretch of games. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I think they they have a pretty decent shot. I mean, the I feel like everybody's beatable in this league at this point. So so yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. What do you think? Um, one big thing that's going to be there's going to be two things I think that are going to be a big difference because obviously they played the Bucks what a week or so ago, maybe a little more than a week ago, but. Not very long yeah, ago. Yeah, on the fifth. And there's going to be two big differences. So first off, Chris Middleton missed that game for the Bucks. I assume he's going to be back for this one. Um, he's been playing, so I don't know why he wouldn't be. Um, so he'll be back for the Bucks, which is important. And then the other thing is the Pistons will have Stanley Johnson back. And Stanley Johnson against a guy like Giannis is hugely valuable because you know he's able to just sort of sag off and just be stronger than the opposition, right, and keep him out of the paint. And he's done a really good job on Giannis in the past. So it's going to be a very different-looking game. Um, And like you said, it's a good opportunity for the Pistons to 
sort of finish this really brutal stretch on a high note. And the season is still pretty difficult the rest of the month, but this stretch in particular was absolutely brutal. And if they can finish it off with victories over the Celtics and Bucks, then, you know, they came out of it and they're two games above 500 and they beat a couple of good teams at the end. So it's a good opportunity for them. And the other thing is that it's sure to be a fun game. Giannis is fun to watch. The Bucks are really fun. Um, so, yeah, any, just anything, closing thoughts that you didn't say about anything at all? I don't think so. Not that I can think of. I think we're, we're just waiting to see, you know, if if they have another bad stretch, if any more trade kind of stuff comes up. I don't think, I don't expect them to do anything drastic, but, um, you know, at this point, I think it, there's been an awful lot of talk out there with not a whole lot behind it. So, so we'll see. All right. Yep. So I don't have anything to add on to that. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.